We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers dropped a, a very frustrating game last night. 115-113, lost to the Golden State Warriors. Had a 19-point fourth quarter lead, I believe, and really took their foot off the gas. We have our little text message thread, uh, me, Mike, and, and Darius. And Mike and Darius had a really interesting debate last night that I'd love to carry forth into to this podcast. So rather than me be the person who frames it, I'm gonna kick it to Darius just to Darius, where do you where do you stand on just kind of how you took how they played last night? Yeah, so super irritating loss. And yes, we are are on a text thread and we mostly align. And I thought last night we aligned some, but there were a couple of points of differences. So I'm very happy to sort of have this discussion here. Um, I thought that there's any given number of nights, depending on how good of a team you are, where you don't have it, right? Where you just, you're missing shots or you're not up for the game for whatever reason. Maybe you're low on on energy or whatever. And then I think there's a fewer number of these games each year, but there's also games where you decide you actually do not care for whatever reason. Maybe the opponent isn't up to your level. Maybe they've got some injuries, the other team, or you just decide, eh, like whatever. I thought for the Lakers last night, it was more of the latter than it was the former, right? Pete, you had mentioned that they had a 19 point lead. At one point they were up 11 going into the fourth quarter, but all through the second half, I thought the Lakers showed as I framed it on Twitter, like a certain amount of 
disrespect or lack of respect for their opponent. I feel like when you start to do that, you tempt the basketball gods in a certain way and you put yourself at risk to losing, but not just losing because the other team got back into it or whatever, but losing because you have some sort of inflated sense of what you are as a team in that specific moment and aren't respecting the other side enough. This is one of the first games I feel like I've seen that from the Lakers this year. I've seen them start out slow and get behind. And then I've seen them have moments where, all right, like something kicks in for them and then they start to pick it up and then they turn what was maybe an uneven performance into a pretty solid win. Right. And then I've seen them not have it at all, but then suddenly they find it. And they're so good and so talented. They could have those nights. And I sort of treat those nights differently than I treat last night. Last night was a game where I felt these dudes stopped caring. They stopped thinking the Warriors were capable of beating them. They stopped thinking that the other team had any good players at all. And they paid for it with a loss. And it was just irritating and super frustrating to me i know that there's context to games and context to this season that matter i just removed though that context from last Mm -hmm. night's performance because i thought the lakers came out strong they took a big lead and then at some point they decided this other team can't beat us and they stopped caring enough to do anything effectively enough to actually win the game. And I don't know, like as someone who enjoys the game and want to see things done the right way and am interested in process and building the right habits, last night just pissed me off, frankly. And this morning I thought I would feel a little bit better. And honestly, I did to a certain extent. And then I opened up Twitter and yeah, now I'm still back to it. So Mike, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you had some appropriate counters to my state of mind and the position that I was taking. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think that you're in the majority uh, for how for how fans would have watched that game and taken in that experience. And, and perhaps, you know, to an extent, even with those that are going to watch the game film. But my perspective on this is definitely colored by being in the building. Uh, and I, I think we're going to just have to keep going back to this as to how different it feels in there versus even when I'm watching the road games on the television, like everybody else, when I'm in the Spectrum studio and here, so here's how I'll put it first for a little bit of background. This is the first time that I think LeBron and AD together have faced the warriors where they felt like, wait a second. Okay. These might still be the warriors where it's Steph and Draymond. Yes. We know that clay's not there. But it's Steph and Draymond, you know, they're six and six, right? They they were approaching this like a real game and they were excited about it. And, and I think we saw that from the start. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They want to honor that. They come out um, and after two minutes, it's 10 to two and they are slicing and dicing the Warriors. Um, so then the Warriors go on, you know, get a, a couple of buckets back. The Lakers re-engage. It's 23 to 10. Warriors get a couple more buckets. Uh Two minutes later, it's 33 to 14. That's when they were up 19. It was uh, late in the first quarter. And then they sort of, they kept that lead until a minute was left. Then they got casual at the end of the quarter. Steph hits the buzzer beating three. But still, like same thing in the second quarter. They're relatively engaged, but they, 
at a certain point, and I think LeBron was the leader of this, LeBron just realized these are not the same Warriors, man. Like this is, and it's, it was a little bit, I don't know. It, it was, it's a little bit sad almost in a sense. Cause like, I think that what, what was exciting was, okay, Clay's coming back. The Warriors are coming back. Let's see these teams battle it out. And I think I would have certainly favored the Lakers there, but in, you just realized after 12 minutes of action, Warriors are done it, with this iteration. Now they may get Clay back. They may add another piece. They may make a trade, uh, but they're, it's not the same. They're not the same Warriors that won the titles. And the Lakers are here. The Lakers are here. And I think that that just mentally seeped in. Now, combine that fact with the building, again, just absolutely dead, especially because they got up big so early. There's just a feeling in there. What the coaches, the, the, even I guess everybody but the Warriors bench players. Um, and it just was so kind of blah in there. And then I think the Lakers kind of decided, all right, you know, we can rip off a 7-0 run anytime we want, which they did, by the way, through the third quarter. And then to start the fourth quarter, they go up 14 on a LeBron three with 11 minutes left. And there kept being all these moments where even though they weren't really playing their best and they weren't taking the game the, the most serious, they were up by 10. And that's kind of what our text thread was. It's like Darius getting annoyed, me understanding why, and then being like, yo, but they're up 10. They're probably going to win by 10 to 15 points. And of course, Darius ends up being right in the context of this game, which was the one thing that annoyed me because you do tempt the basketball gods. And then like, there were so many, there were like LeBron alluded to this. Frank Vogel was smart to stay away from it, but there were weird bogus travel calls on LeBron and then didn't go the other way that like all of the little stuff um, with like Kuzma's push in the back of Curry puts him in the free throw line, weird inbounds turnovers, just stuff that was totally against the flow of the game all of this stuff happens and so that was the that was that game and pete to, to sort of bring my point full circle part of the other part of the text thread was i have seen this play out a million times whether it's fans or no fans the team that knows they're better takes their foot off the gas and they get bit by it sometimes it, it just happens it happens all the time um that's ultimately what happened take out the context of the no energy and the no fans and the Warriors dynasty potentially ending and the Lakers ascendance. Uh, bottom line is just that you play with fire and sometimes you get burned. That's what happens. I'm not going to get too upset about it because the, the real thing we learned is that the Lakers are still by far the best team and, you know, could have easily beaten the Warriors by 20 plus. So I'm not disagreeing with Darius. I'm just coming at it from a slightly different perspective. So if you want to try to litigate or ask some follow-ups, uh, feel free because I know I just talked for a while. For sure. Well, I mean, we did just watch a Lakers team go what 52 and 0 after they led after three quarters last season or something like some crazy unprecedented stat. Right. And, and I don't believe that they should be able to replicate that. There's a reason why that hadn't happened before in NBA history. We already have two losses now going into where we have a lead going into the fourth quarter. And the issue for me isn't so much. So I'm, I'm somewhere between you guys, but I think I'm, I'm closer to Darius in that. Shocker. I think that <laughs> I think that it's reasonable to have an ex, a baseline expectation of focus and effort. It's not that they take their foot off of the gas as though they ease from 50 miles an hour to 35. It's they take it almost all the way off. There was a sequence in the third quarter where Andrew Wiggins got three straight wide open threes. And then there were two other threes where that were also wide open shots that the lead went in that stretch down from 16 at the half down to two by the time the starters started getting subbed out. And the three wide open Wiggins threes 
it was basically LeBron just standing there on rotations. It's not being laid on rotations. It's standing there and watching, right? And one of the things I've come to appreciate, and one of the things that's been on my mind, I've mentioned this before, is like, how is LeBron this good at this stage of his career when nobody else has been able to? And part of that is physical, right? And maintenance of his body. And it's all types of things that I don't have any degree of expertise on, but I do appreciate that that's part of it. But the part that I can see uh, from watching tape is how much he dominates a game mentally and how he can control a game mentally. And I always think of focus as the mental manifestation of effort, right? Where you being able to be present and in the moment, I think that it's reasonable to ask our guys to, even if they can't do it physically, to be able to be mentally focused to the point where they don't completely let their foot off the gas. So that's, that's my counter Mike is, is that like, yes, we've seen this happen millions of times before. And as, as we've said, this is for as talented as this team is, that's not the only thing that's important. They're the most talented team in the NBA that doesn't guarantee anything. And there is all sorts of ways for the season to go off track. And that's not just lip service. It's really difficult to repeat in the NBA. And part of it is because it's difficult to maintain that level of focus throughout. So is this... That's the point. That's the point. They won last year, okay? Like, this is what happens. This is what happens to every returning champion, period. You're going to sometimes lose that focus because you know that you can get it done. And you probably will. It, why did the, why did Kobe have to hit seven buzzer beaters the year after they won the title with him and Powell and Bynum and Lamar? Because they slept walk through half of that season. And those games were tight. And then they turned it on late. And oftentimes Kobe would take it home. LeBron almost did. He missed the buzzer beater. You know, but like this, this is my point. This, like, what did we expect, guys? We talked about this in the preseason. So do do you just see this as an, an inevitable, unavoidable yes. thing? Because I don't. So, I do. I think that it can be managed differently than it is. LeBron played 38 minutes last night. And to me, he was the main reason why we're not focused. If LeBron is not going to be like, I get it. And I've Lord knows I've seen teams coming off of title years. And what you're saying is exactly right, Mike. But if he's not going to be there, I don't want him playing 38 minutes. I'd like to see THT get some run. This is exactly the type of, I, I disagree with the management of this phenomenon, which is unique to defending title teams, right? Like the way that you approach, approach the regular season is, is different. Get THT some run, right? Get uh, Caruso out there. Uh, Dudley wasn't available for this game, but he's a guy where you talk a lot about the juice and the, how dead it feels in the building. And I, I don't want to skim over that point. Cause I do think it's, I don't think it's coincidence that we're 500 at home and undefeated on the road. And it, but I think that we could be managing this phenomenon better than we are. If if LeBron doesn't have it, that's totally fine. It's just I'd like to see then then give the ball to other guys, right? Then then have the uh, our approach be built around even if it's a young guy or Alex Crusoe or uh, or Trez. I'd like to see those guys getting touches in those moments. If LeBron needs a night off, but you still want him out there as a threat. Does that, does that make sense that like, I agree with the phenomenon, but not necessarily our management of it. Well, let me, I'll flip it to Darius in this way. First of all, if you're Frank Vogel, it's not like you just call LeBron over at the end of the third quarter and be like, Hey, uh, you know, this isn't your best game tonight. So I'm just going to have you, we're just going to have you sit 
outside of your normal rotation and we're going to play THT. So that conversation either doesn't or can't happen. And, and you know, more, more often than not, LeBron will kind of take care of it himself. I, I guess you can change the rotation at certain points, but again, they were up 14 at, with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, even while playing that way. So I'm just, I'm sure Darius can, uh, can, can take this uh, point from here. I just, I don't know how you fight the, the human nature, at least sometimes like they're still 11 and four. They still have the best record in the NBA where they've still played harder and more seriously than all of the teams that lost last year. So I'm just wondering like why we're, we're going to get upset that they dropped the ball one time in the, like given all of the context, given everything that, that we're that's behind it. My only pushback in all of this and Pete, like you made some good points and, and Mike, like I think the zoom out for the big picture stuff is relevant. The part where I step away from the big picture stuff is we're 15 games into the season. The Lakers have had some struggles like this throughout the season. They have the league's best net rating. We understand how good this this team is, right? So I don't want to drill in so far that like I don't want to look at an individual tree and dismiss the entire forest right so I get it when we were having a conversation on the last pod about the upcoming stretch of more difficult games and what are the things I was looking for specifically the thing that I talked about was habits right and building the right habits because we are still only 15 games into what is a very long long season and when you allow a certain amount of this mentality to creep in and not just creep in, but take hold. That's problematic to me because at some point, Mike, you call on like you go to flip the switch and there's no power in the building, right? That like, they just didn't, they, they were not able to come back, like not to get too deep in, in what well, into our text thread here, but like, me and you, Mike, we made the same point, like at the same time, I was being much more sarcastic with my response than you were in laying it out bluntly. But at some point you go to have that next 7-0 run and you actually can't do it, right? And so the idea of like, oh, we can have a 7-0 run whenever we want until you actually can't, right? And the idea of being able to call on that and summon it, I'm not big on like summoning effort or summoning focus or or like, to me, that's what a front running team does. It's it's like what we lambasted the Clippers for pretty much all of last season. There's a certain amount of foundational work that you need to do with a new group of players in a brand new season. And the carryover effect of having LeBron and AD is of course super real. And it's of course why the Lakers have the record that they do. And it's of course why they're favored to be a repeat champion, right? Is they have the best team. We've been talking about this now since the season started, since before the season started. But in order to turn a projection into reality, you have to do the work. And I get that when you zoom out, this is one of 72, but that one of 72 is still a piece of that puzzle that you need to lay down and build the right habits in. And so while I do not want to overreact and they can go seven and zero on this road trip and beat the Bucks and beat the 76ers and beat the Celtics and we'll probably be right back on that same horse of like, well, shit, look how good the Lakers are. 
right? And I was in that mode the first half, but there's a certain amount of, all right, let's take this seriously. Let's take the opponent seriously that I will never let go of that specific point because you're a, you're a basketball purist. You know, I get, I get it. I get that. And I just want to see this team. Pete said like competing at a baseline level, but to me, it's like the respect of the game. It's the respect of the opponent factor that matters to me. And Pete, you and I had a version of the same discussion during the playoffs last year when it was sort of just like you were saying like, Hey man, we should appreciate this team. Like this team is so freaking good. They're going to win the championship. And in the big picture, you were 100% right. Let's appreciate this team. They're going to win the championship. And they did. And hell, man, you and I were on that podcast drinking, having fun, enjoying it. Right. But in those moments of, nah, man, like if they're going to win, they still have to play the right way. They still have to value the right things because values are what matter. They're the things that carry you forward. This may be a a quick combo, but I'm going to try to challenge you guys here for a second. Did you have any podcasts during the initial bubble, the seeding games in which you had some of these similar conversations where either one or both of you were mad and they're not respecting the basketball gods. They're not, or were you just sort of, um, well, you tell me what, like, what was your reaction when the Lakers were not playing well at all when they first got to Orlando? I, I was, I, I don't believe this is revisionist, but I mean, we were running Quinn Cook out there and THT and Jared Dudley. It was quite obvious based on our rotations that we were, you know, we, we took that first game against the Clippers seriously, I thought. And I thought that AD, AD gets up for Rudy Gobert and decided I'm going to drop 40 on Gobert in that. But by and large, they did not play well during that time. But it was also very, it's the end of the season. We have the number one seed locked up. And I'm not going to get, because the the difference for, for me, you know what, let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk about the difference between last season and this season and try to do it not in too much of a revisionist fashion. And I hope both of you guys, uh, you know, check me on that if I do. So let's take a break. We'll come back with that. We love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named Best App in Sports Betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code LAKERS. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com and sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code LAKERS to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So yeah, I, I had I was thinking a lot last night and during the rewatch of the game about the comparison to last year. And this is an attribute of this team to we saw them in game five of the NBA finals make mistake after mistake after mistake that was focus based. Right. So if that's going to happen during game five of the NBA finals the year after and you're 15 games in, this is not something that was, that we didn't expect to happen. The difference was is. Up to that point in the bubble, Mike, the Lakers had done the work. They had grown as a team to a certain point. And they start at a higher baseline place in terms of their cohesion than they did last year, right, at this same point. So I'm in a similar place of of Darius is that this does not change some overall outlook on how good the team is or what I think their prospects are. This is also, though, something that is unique to a defending champion. But at some point, I've seen this over and over again, whether it's the Lakers or other teams, the inability to summon that 7-0 run that Darius was talking about comes in part because you are not on the same page enough and you haven't worked together as that as a, as a team to be on the same page to be able to summon it at higher levels of basketball. 
I don't think we have to do as much work as say the Nets or say the Clippers to build that cohesion because we have uh, last year to build off of. But the difference for me between last year and this year is that at a certain point we had done the work. I knew by March, as I remember after we beat the Clippers <coughs> and the Bucks on that one weekend, I remember I got drunk as hell and I was tweeting in all caps for like half a night because I was like, I was skeptical about the team all year. It's like, I don't know if we've got enough. And that weekend I was like, Yes, I know we've got enough. I know we can do this. And they continued to build on that. And that those seeding games were just a blip. The, this Lakers team hasn't built up to that point. Does that make sense? Well, okay. So there are two ways to look at this, the start of the season. And I'll start with kind of the more skeptical one is that they still you know, haven't shown a ton and they need to build more. Most of the wins that they've had, the opponent has been missing a key player or two. So like Dallas had no Porzingis. Um, Minnesota had no Towns. San Antonio for the first two wins had no Aldridge. Memphis had no John Morant. Uh, the Bulls were whole, but are a young team, and that game was super close. Houston didn't really have James Harden. I mean, they sort of did, but he wasn't really trying. Uh, you know, OKC didn't have Horford. New Orleans didn't have Lonzo. Didn't have their com- their complete team. So literally every game that they've had, um, they the other team hasn't been whole and hasn't been full. But in most of those games, the Lakers have won by twenty. And like, so in other words, they, like they came into this game against golden state and the closest game of the previous four was 17 points. And so they were, they were taking care of business essentially um, more than what at least most teams in the NBA have done so far. And then golden state who is whole, you know, of course, whole in what their roster is at the current day without clay, you know, they came in and were also playing hard and the Lakers were just clearly on another level. So we'll get to know, we'll, we'll be able to evaluate this a little better on this trip, right? They play Milwaukee. Um, they play Philly who will hopefully be helpful, the, the healthy. They play Boston, but I'm just still on that same point of like this, this is the kind of loss that I expected before the season. And the sort of like Pete, uh, what was it? A couple of pods ago, you, you were mentioning how the San Antonio loss was because in part of the previous couple of games. So they had built up to that, right? By having those games closer than usual. And I, I, I think we're going to keep seeing that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is, they will be over the course of the season. They'll have some rightful arrogance and some rightful hubris about where they're at. And then they'll lose and then they'll get it back. And so like, I think they'll play really well against Milwaukee um, in part as a result of this loss to Golden State. So it's just a natural part of the phenomenon. You think of just once you suffer the natural consequence of losing a game, maybe on national TV, as we did last night, that that is what's going to refocus us. So it doesn't have to be national TV. It doesn't have to be anything, but it it is a natural. So first of all, it's a natural part of the human condition. Um, And for almost all humans, except for like Kobe, Uh, it's, it's a, it's and especially if you don't have true, like this goes to Darius. So I'm going to kick this to you because you talked a lot about respecting of the opponent. And if you're, a, there are a lot of smart basketball minds on the Lakers, uh, LeBron, Marcus Sol, uh, certainly at the top. And if you don't, you can't fake real respect for a team. So they respect Steph and they did. They had Steph was, Steph was completely held down for the first three quarters, but they don't really respect Ubre or Wiggins, or even at this point, Draymond's offensive game, which is why he got to the rim and finished two easy laps. You can't fake that type of respect. So they, when that to me is why they couldn't just summon like the last seven Oh run in the fourth quarter. Cause they didn't have that true respect that probably by that point, 
they would have needed in part because they didn't run. Like, dude, they had four fast break points. They were settling for jump shots. That tells you all you need to know. They, they didn't even try to push. KCP wasn't getting that. Like, what did he take? Three shots? You know, so like that, all of that type of stuff to me is that they they just thought the game was over. And if, it, like, I do not think we will see that against the Bucks. And, and I think that if they lose that game, it won't be because of effort reasons. And then we can have a different type of conversation where, wait a second, okay, then all of a sudden these, these wins against the teams that weren't as good or didn't have their star, then we have to maybe take that a little more seriously. But I expect that they will beat the Bucks. And But Darius, back to you about the respect thing. Like, do you, do you agree or disagree with that about the, like, do you think that you, you can find a way to have respect for something that you, in your heart of hearts, know um, is not as good as you? No. I also think that, oh, that when Kelly Oubre is kicking your ass all game and flexing <clears throat> and cheering mm-hmm. on the sideline right in front mm-hmm. of your bench and making every hustle play in front of you, that maybe it's time to start to muster some of that respect that you somehow lost on your way out of the locker room. That when the other team is up and cheering every single play that they're making against you and cutting your lead from 19 to 16 to, oh, now it's 10. Oh, now it's seven. Now it's four. Right. And now it's a two point game and you can only then muster a two minute burst. That's not respect. So part of the thing that bothered me about this game is that at some point, at some point, that need, that switch needs to turn on for you mentally, that the other team is here to kick your ass. And if you're not going to respond to that in this moment, I don't care if it's a Monday, January game. I don't care if, if, if it wasn't on TNT. I don't care if it wasn't on MLK's birthday. Take all of that stuff out. Leave in all of the other context about an empty arena that the other, it's empty for the other team too. So we can take all of that stuff, but I can tell you that as if you're going to be, if, if you're going to purport yourself to be a championship team, and this team is a championship level team, Again, I'm not taking anything away from their future prospects or what I think they can be. But the key thing here is can be. And there was a time in the game against the Warriors where the Warriors said, you know what? We see something in you and we're going to take this from you. One second on that point, though. The Warriors, you're saying that Kelly Oubre came to kick your ass. They were up 16 at halftime. They were up 11. Like, so they weren't kicking their ass. Right. They and then they, they lost, they but weren't. Mike, and then they lost the game. That's why it's so, hard to flip the switch because, like, they weren't doing it. Then all of a sudden they engaged because they were down by 15. And then, like, it is harder to turn it around at that point. It, like, it's just that's what happens. I get it. In that moment, though, you're no longer up 19. At some point to me, there is a competitiveness. If it's there at all, and that com- needs to come back. And that competitiveness is based off of a certain amount of respect for the idea that you can lose. And when the Lakers finally realized, oh, shit, we could lose lose this game, they grabbed for it and they looked like <laughs> they look like there's this 
image I saw on Twitter the other day, every time it comes up of, you know, that scene, that fight between, I think it was Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and Ali is sitting in the corner and Joe Frazier is trying to punch Ali's head off. And Ali is just like hands on the ropes, just dodging everything. And Frazier's just coming up empty the entire time. That's how I envisioned the Lakers trying to grab yesterday's effort is they just kept grabbing for it and they just kept missing. And part of the reason is that when you try to conjure that, it's not always going to be there for you. And that's why I was irritated the most. It's because as the other team is sitting there and obviously taking you seriously, the Lakers were not taking the other team seriously. And as much as the idea of, oh, well, we're probably not going to see that against a good opponent. Probably not. But I will say, if you show that that is in your DNA somewhere, then that can resurface at the wrong time. That you can think that I'm going to turn it on and it's not there for you to turn on. And Again, I'm not projecting this out, this one loss, as this harbinger of bad vibes to come for this team. That's not what I'm doing. But as I sat and watched this game, I thought to myself, huh, this isn't a good look for you guys. And I wanted one of LeBron or AD just to decide, you know what, I've had about enough of this. And they never did. And does that worry me like in the big picture? No, it doesn't. But you know what? Like it's something that I'm just going to stick to the side somewhere way in the corner, but I'm going to remember it just because I want to make sure that against another team, they're not like, Oh, well we're up 25 against the bucks. Oh, well now it's two. Sure. I'd like to, I'd like to look at this from a different perspective. I don't think and this is going to take a long time for, I think, our society as a whole to really come to terms with the overall effects of the pandemic. We talk about cases and deaths, but and there, but there are all sorts of smaller impacts that it has on on people, on situations. Again, from something as as small as there's, it just feels weird in Staples, right? To people's people's jobs, people's day to day experience, and it's not my place to impart upon the, the players, like what their individual experience has been with the pandemic. But I do think that people are going to react to this in a, that, that are reacting to it in a different way. And I'm trying, I'm thinking of this from Frank Vogel's perspective of you have this team that is clearly extraordinarily talented, but also has had a couple of these games where it's difficult to summon what they need to summon. And in the short term, it doesn't matter. And it's certainly not a unique thing to this team. Although I do think the pandemic adds extra layers to that on games where it sure would be nice to have that Staples Center crowd to pump up the the team, right? And this is an advantage we even have on the road as well, is that the ability for the, the team to travel. Mike and, and, and Darius as well, like, it was a quick turnaround for us too, right? Nobody in the NBA business got that much time off. And we certainly don't have the player's schedule, but this is something that impacts all of us, right? And we still have to be able to muster whatever we have that day. And sometimes you only got 60% of what you normally have. And so give 100% of that, that 60%. But what I've found has been helpful is that in this whole crazy period of time with the pandemic, 
my work is one of the very few things that I have control over. And it's one of the few things that I can really dive into and take solace in. And I would like to see the team get more into that being in the moment, the chop wood, carry water, right? Of just like, just worry about today because worrying about what this team is capable of, you know, the grand question is, will they repeat? That's what we all want to know as, as Laker fans. And there's no way to answer that right now, but that ability to be more present and in the moment in, I think is really key to these difficult to managing a difficult situation in difficult times. So Mike, like, I'm curious your thoughts on how does Vogel address this in a way that doesn't overreact, right? But also is able to manage this phenomenon as effectively as possible in order to reach that long-term goal. Vogel's really good at this stuff. After the game last night, I I just asked him, like, sometimes I'll I'll ask relatively leading questions to try and, and, you know, get down a certain path. Other times, I'm just really curious what his first thought is or anybody's first thought is. So I think I asked like a couple word question, like, Frank, what happened? And so other times, instead of saying that, like what I could have said was, well, Frank, you know, the you guys had a double digit lead for most of the game. The Warriors started to come back in the fourth quarter. Uh, why weren't you able to turn it back on when you needed to? It like that would then it's hard for him to take that in a general direction. Right. If I lead it like that. But if, I, I just really wanted to see what he said. So he his major points were that they got a little hesitant um and down the stretch and they got a little casual so he wouldn't normally use those words but he said it very calmly um he's not he's not like going in the locker room and yelling at anybody he's not like guys you didn't respect your opponent just getting darius i'm not trying no 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 um, no yeah, but he's that's our job. That's our job. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's good. I will say it's good that Frank Vogel is not me. Honestly, like yeah, during the yeah. game, I thought to myself, it's damn good I am not but on the sideline yes. anywhere around this because I would have had trouble being stoic yes, in any it, of those moments. And this is like the difference, right? In between like we we see basketball, I think, the same way. I'm just coming at this from like my whole job, right, is after not not just my one part of my job is after the game for every Laker game since 2008 is to go and hear from the head coach and three or four or five of the players. And so I'm always kind of baking that like so I their reaction has over the years to games. And this is Kobe and LeBron and Phil Jackson and you know now Frank Vogel and AD that's shaped the way that I do this. And that might come that might bring in some of my like, okay, guys, it's just one of 82 type attitude because that's where part of this is. But it's Frank is going to, they're going to, they have today off tomorrow. They're going to go in, they're going to watch film. He's going to point out the same stuff. He always does LeBron. You missed this rotation. Um, out to Andrew Wiggins uh, that, uh, if you want to listen to the Laker film room podcast, Pete mentioned, um, several times. Okay. You just did it again. Uh, and then he'll just move right on to the next thing. Um, KCP, why don't you take this wide open shot? Cause you had missed two for the first time earlier. Coos, you push Curry in the back unnecessarily gave them two free throws when AD had a tip in, he'll just kind of go through the thing back. The defense wasn't here and they will move on to the buck. So it, it will literally just be one of 82. There's no speech. There's no like guys, come on. And I think it's the way that I think about this is last year. And this is based off some of the points you guys were just making in those playoff series after game one of the Portland series, after game one of the rocket series, the sort of the freak out period, 
same type of thing. Uh, and now the difference is they weren't up by 20 and then kind of like just let the other team creep back in. They just didn't play well. Um, or the, the game they lost to Denver, the two games they lost to the final. That's the stuff that just happens in basketball. And the Lakers aren't any worse um, from a mental approach, from a leadership approach, from a taking opponent seriously approach than anybody else in the NBA or than any other recent champions. It, I, I don't think this is like their DNA now because we're going to see it a little bit more this year than last year. I don't think that's what it is. I, I just think it's more sort of to be expected. Um, and I think Frank Vogel is a really good coach for that uh, because he's, he's not a yeller. He's not a screamer. He's not an overreactor. He's going to look at the big picture. Uh, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. And that in itself, I think will help the Lakers as they go through the season. I will say this too, Mike, is that when you talk about Vogel and <clears throat> what his demeanor is and what his approach is, I still go back to communication and his relationship with his star players. Right. And his ability <clears throat> to be honest and point out what's probably obvious in film sessions, even if it is quite um, negative towards one of his star players, I think Vogel's going to do that. And then I think that if there need to be extra conversations with those players about setting the right tone or carrying the right mission forward, he's going to have those conversations as well. I also think the general approach and mentality that the Lakers star players have is positive in this and that they're going to respond accordingly, even if they weren't being pushed by Frank Vogel at all, because they're LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think that their heads and hearts are in the right place when it comes to this stuff. The stuff I mentioned earlier about DNA, it's just one of those things where I just do not want this specific thing, this very narrow focused thing on this singular topic to be something that is glossed over or thought of as never being possible of happening and made it seem like it's like a fluke. I want them to understand, no, we actually did this thing and to be mindful that it happened and not just brush it off as, Hey, well, you know what? Like the, the building was empty and all of this other stuff. That is true. Gotcha. That's true. Right. It's like you asked earlier, Mike and Pete answered this, but I didn't speak to it and I'll keep this short. My response to what the team was playing like in the bubble, there wasn't a lot of like ultra concern to me beyond like a couple of specific things like, oh, is their shooting really going to recover? Or that was really the main thing to me, like, oh, are they going to be able to shoot well enough? Because the shooting hasn't translated yet to what you would want from players who shot well before this. And this is an, a new environment. The part, the only part that really concerned me was after they'd been in the bubble for two or three weeks was the continued sort of pivot back to the fact like this is an adjustment for us. Like we're still trying to adjust to the bubble and they were one of the last teams to continue to speak like that on the record, right? Like it doesn't surprise me that there were probably other teams that felt that same way. They just weren't outwardly saying it and using it. I felt like in certain situations as a crutch, to explain why they weren't playing well. I was on Pete's side, which was like, oh, look at these lineups that they're using. They're clearly in get to the playoffs healthy mode, not like ramp up 
mode that we actually thought pete you you and i we thought yeah. they were going to use yeah. that to ramp up but no that's not what they used it as they they used it as something different which was fine and that totally worked out and so i just don't want any of this stuff to creep in <laughs> as being a part of like that's acceptable to them really like in the big picture i don't think it will be but it's just something i don't want to happen and so i'm vocalizing that if that makes sense one thing I've really enjoyed about this conversation and, and your guys back and forth last night is that both of you are right. And both of you are absolutely correct in that this is a phenomenon that defending champions go up against. It's something that I don't believe is indicative of a, a long-term issue in that, uh, the reasons there's, there's no reason for it not to be addressed over the course of the season and isn't necessarily indicative of a longer term issue. However, this is exactly the type of thing that does seep in, right? This is one of those challenges that is unique to repeating. It's why re like the golden state warriors team that we talk about as a dynasty, probably rightfully. So they've repeated once there's a long stretch of the, of the NBA where nobody had repeated for quite some time. And so we're going to face all of these challenges that no other team in the NBA is going to face that goes along with the thing. Mike always talks about it. Teams always get up for the Lakers. We're the defending champs now. So that's doubly. So the lack of fans, I think that this Lakers team, one of the beautiful things about this team is I think they're very um, emotionally connected. I think that they're like, they, they really care for each other. They're very um, on each other's team, but that can go both ways, right? So that when the team starts to sleepwalk, and this is where the, the leadership of LeBron really comes into play is the team is going to follow LeBron's lead. And while yes, we were up by 19 early on in the game, 16 at halftime, got up to 14 in the fourth quarter. LeBron never really turned it up at any point during that game. And I thought that as that game went on, we kind of continued to follow his lead. And so is that something that need to worry about all that much long-term? But I, I don't think so, but it is something that that is often why teams don't repeat. It's often why more talented teams don't end up winning. So anyway, that's kind of my, yeah. my parting thoughts on all that, Mike. So, so you, I want to kind of pull a, a piece out of what you both just said. And so Pete, let me get back to the, um, the LeBron point. Actually, you know, here, I'll, I'll start on the LeBron point. LeBron, what he basically does is deliver your team to the finals. That's what he's done for the last 10 years. And we had the one exception year where he got hurt and the Lakers were young and all that kind of stuff. But this is the other reason why Frank Vogel can be very targeted and just honest and simple and, and sort of straightforward because nobody knows what happened yesterday more than LeBron. It, like, so it is a mentally and leadership wise, that is going to carry the day ultimately on this team. And it's another way of saying that the Lakers are going to be fine because you trust that he is going to police all of that stuff and, you know, it's not going to keep happening because of that. But to Darius's point, and I, I really do agree with this, you, if your kids do something really wrong, and hopefully if, you know, if they're like my kid's age, you know, if they're six, the, the real wrong thing is, is to like bite their brother or something. Now, it's not the end of the world, but that it's not the same as like punching him in the stomach or something. It's like, no, you, so you have to go a little bit extra hard to snuff that out. Uh, if you can, there's got to be, and, and I don't want to get into a whole parenting discussion about how we define consequences versus when you and I were growing up and what words you can say. That's probably, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. right there. But it's like there, 
if you lo- if you blow a lead by not respecting your opponent, which is you know basically true, right from last night, you do. I do get what Darius is saying, where like, hey, maybe you do react to that a little more seriously, and say, hey, guys, look, we don't want to be this team. There are other teams in the NBA that get up big, and as part of their DNA, the last few years. Uh, they lose those leads and they get casual and it's part of this for basketball reasons because some teams uh, settle for jump shots and they don't attack the rim. The Lakers, part of the reason why they don't blow leads in the fourth quarter is because they've got these two, uh, these two racehorses that just can get to the rim and can get to the bucket or can get out and transition after a stop. And that's not what they did at all in the fourth quarter. They basically just grabbed the ball, came down, passed it around for a little while and and took jump shots and they didn't go in so that I, I i agree with that part of it if if you were getting it part of that darius but i think that it was like basketball as much as it was mental where they just didn't engage with the type of way that they always play because they always attack the rim they always run and those were the things that they didn't just didn't do maybe for and i want your guys reaction if i could get that for a teaser for a future podcast i was a little bit interested slash concerned with sort of some late stuff from Schroeder and how he fits into that mix because him having the ball in some of those situations and not knowing what to do on the one hand, it's good for him to get some of that experience. Now, on the other hand, it took the Lakers out of what they usually do late in games. So that's, that's maybe we can shelve that for now as a basketball point and, and get back to kind of the, the two things, Darius, the respect of the game and then just LeBron taking you home. Yeah, Mike, like everything that you said is, is true. I, I'm with you. Like I said, I'm with you. Big, big picture about, this team and from a leadership standpoint there's no player i trust more than lebron james and frank vogel has earned he's earned it he's earned the respect he's earned the trust he's earned all of the benefit of the doubt around stuff especially related to communication and having his finger on the pulse of his team so from that standpoint I'm confident about this group. Um, Like I said before, I just want to make sure that these guys actually acknowledge and understand what happened last game. And if they do that, I think they're going to be fine. If they try to sweep that under the rug, I think that that would be problematic for them. I don't anticipate the latter, but I think that in any environment, you have to say there's a non-zero chance that that actually happens that way. And that's why I'm not taking it off of the table completely. I'm just sticking it way over there in the corner of the table where it's hard to see, right? But I know that it's still there. I don't want to be a super downer about a single game, but last night stood out to me for very specific reasons. And one of the reasons why, as someone who's typically calm about these things, I was more reactionary than normal. And it's because in these very specific ways, it mattered to me. Yeah. Some things you got to snuff them out before they grow. Like Mike said, with the, you know, biting your brother, got to snuff that out before that turns into punching him in the stomach or the face or something like that. Right. And uh, that's going to be the balance of this season is understanding where they're going and understanding also that today matters. And even if the only reason today matters is by acknowledging, hey, this happened, right? And that this is important that we address this. And it doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be it's going to be something that happens again. It's going to be part of this season. Hopefully we repeat. And if we do, 
it's going to happen more next season, right? That's how these things go. You know why it doesn't usually happen again for the Lakers? The film room, buddy. <laughs> that's right. That's it's right. True. The film that's room, LeBron, uh, LeBron just said that again last week. Like they, this happened, but they will watch it in the film room and they will address it and they will take care of it. Uh, bless the until film like, room. Until like, you know, seven or eight games and it may happen again. And yeah, yeah. They have another text and then they'll watch the film again and they'll be good. So you just got to win four out of the seven games. To win That's right. The title. That's right. We're certainly seeing a pattern emerge. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the film room does uh, illustrate those flaws and they, they do something about it. Yeah. The film so, room fixes all is what I've they, Yeah, You know, we're giving Harrison all sorts of, all sorts of little clips, things to clip out of context to make it sound, make me sound arrogant as hell. You're welcome, Harrison. All right. <laughs> this was fun. Uh, fun to hear you guys disagree. Fun to chime in myself. Uh, Lakers about to embark on that seven game road trip. Agreement, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Uh, uh, cover the road trip. <laughs> Until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little tap to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.